September 6, 1988, inside the Masai Mara National Reserve in Kenya. The Mara is an area of preserved savanna grassland teeming with wildlife that receives visitors from all over the world. At the Mara Serena Lodge, a young British woman readies a newly repaired Suzuki Jeep for a trip back to Nairobi. Her name is Julie Ann Ward, and she's a wildlife photographer from Suffolk in England. She is in the Mara to photograph the annual wildebeest migration, one of the great wonders of nature. Her trip had been quite eventful already, colored by the mishap of breaking down while driving through the game reserve only a day after she had arrived. But now, several days later, she has eventually managed to get her car fixed and at around noon on September 6th, she leaves the Mara Serena Lodge, headed for Nairobi. She decides to first go by her original campground, a place called the Sand River Campground within the Masai Mara and pick up tents that she had left there. This is the last place she was seen alive. A week later, part of her body would tragically be found still inside the game reserve. Welcome to episode 5 of Murder, She Wrote. Episode 5. Wow. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. In this episode and the next one, we will be looking into the events surrounding the 1988 murder of Julie Ann Ward. Now, this is one of the very famous murders that have taken place in Kenya. And I think this is in part to do with the fact that Julie Ward was British. She was in Kenya visiting and unfortunately met her demise while still in the country. In this one, I would like to focus mainly on the timeline, the actual sequence of events, based on the information available in the public domain, ending with the discovery of her remains. Remains is such an odd and insensitive word, and I wish I could say body instead, but unfortunately, when whoever did it was done, all that was left was a charred leg and a jawbone. Julie Ward's murder is unresolved to date. It would not be fair to leave out the fact that this is despite decades of tireless and dedicated efforts by the father of Julie Ward, Mr. John Ward. Mr. Ward was the one who led the contingent that unfortunately discovered part of his daughter's body seven days after she went missing. This was only a short time after he himself had arrived in Kenya for the first time. He has since made numerous trips to Kenya from Britain, by his own admission, 
more than 100, and invested over two million pounds of his own money into investigating his daughter's death. Julie Ward was the firstborn of John and Jan Ward, who also had two sons. Her father, John, is a successful British businessman and hotelier. Julie Ward was in Kenya in 1988, at the tail end of a six-month trip across Africa. The trip had taken her and other British visitors through several countries in North, West, Central and East Africa, finally arriving in Nairobi in June of 1988. This was Julie's third trip to Kenya. She spent the next few months in Nairobi, at first camping at the home of a couple that she met, Natasha and Paul Weld Dixon. They lived in Langata within Nairobi, and Julie Ward and the Weld Dixons grew quite close, becoming friends. Julie Ward then rented a cottage in the neighborhood, and it is from there that she made plans to travel to the Masai Mara Game Reserve to photograph the wildebeest migration. This trip had been Ward's goal from the start. It was initially supposed to comprise a party of four, Julie Ward, two friends that she had met in Kenya on an earlier trip, and Dr. Glenn Burns, a scientist who had been introduced to Ward by mutual friends. At the last minute though, Ward's two friends pulled out of the trip, and in the end, it was Julie Ward and Glenn Burns who traveled to Masai Mara on the 2nd of September, 1988. The following day, on the 3rd of September, they set up camp at the Sand River campground inside the Mara. It was Saturday, and as they drove within the game reserve, their car developed mechanical trouble and broke down. The place they broke down was near a hotel known as the Mara Serena Lodge, and a tour truck towed them to the Serena Lodge. The tour truck operator, Watson, lent them a tent which Ward and Burns shared. Ward and Burns were to leave for Nairobi the following day, Sunday, September 4th. But as the Suzuki could not be fixed quickly, they had to change their plans somewhat. Dr. Burns still had to leave for Nairobi as he had a conference to attend. He took with him the fuel pump from the Suzuki. It was what was broken and required replacement. Once in Nairobi, he promised Julie Ward that he would get Paul Weld Dixon, Julie's friend from Langata, to send her a replacement fuel pump. Burns kept his promise and got in touch with Weld Dixon, who purchased a new fuel pump for the Suzuki and sent it to Julie Ward in the Mara. It arrived on a charter flight on Monday, the 5th of September. It arrived too late in the day, though, to be installed, and Julie Ward was forced to spend another night 
at the Serena Lodge. On the following day, Tuesday, September 6th, the new pump was installed, but the Suzuki still wouldn't start. Then, the mechanic found a loose wire, fixed that, and the Suzuki was finally good to go. Ward began to make preparations for her trip back to Nairobi. At about noon, she left the Serena and first headed to the Sand River campground to pick up the tents that she and Glenn Burns had left there three days earlier after their car had broken down. This is where things get hazy. We have accounts from a desk clerk, David Nchoko, as well as from a police constable present, who stated that Julie arrived at the Masai Mara's Sand River Gate a little after 2 p.m. It is then reported that she paid for the nights the tents had spent at the camp and left, alone they insisted, heading in the direction of Kikorok Lodge. As far as is known publicly, these two are the last people to see Julie Ward alive. She went missing later on this day, September the 6th, 1988. Meanwhile, back in Nairobi, Ward's friends, the Weld Dixons, are anxious. They knew that Julie's plans were to fly back to England on the 10th of September. They were to have her over for an evening meal on the 9th, and they had also made plans to drive her to the airport for her flight the following day. They started to get worried when they didn't hear from her on the 6th. And when they heard nothing on the 7th, they began to ring hospitals along the way from Masai Mara to Nairobi, fearing the worst. On the 10th of September, Julie Ward's father, John Ward, called the Weld Dixons to hear more about his daughter's travel plans, as she was to be traveling home that day. It was then that he was informed that Julie Ward was actually missing. John Ward immediately flew to Kenya, arriving within a day. By the 12th of September 1988, when his daughter had been missing for six days, John Ward, with the help of the Weld Dixons and Julie's other friends, quickly organized a search party that included planes to search the Mara. By the following day, Tuesday, September 13th, Julie Ward's Suzuki had already been found stuck in a ditch still within the game reserve, but away from any recognizable road. It had a crude SOS marked out on its roof. A few hours later, the search party made another startling discovery. In a remote part of the game reserve, parts of a human body, a partially burned leg and a bone from the jaw, along with ashes from a fire, were found. It seemed the fire had been used to dispose of the rest of the body. There were also coins in Kenyan currency, 
items of clothing and film canisters. They used dental records to identify the remains as Julie Ward's. It must have been devastating news for her father, who had been present there the whole search, and for the rest of her family too. Julie Ward's African trip, her third to Kenya, had ended in tragedy. It seems to have come out upon later investigation that the earliest that she could have died was September the 11th, and given what state she was eventually found in, it's tough to imagine how painful her last days were. The LA Times quotes John Ward as saying in 1989, I want to catch the man who killed her because he must have put that little girl through an awful lot of pain and terror before she died. I would like to read something else. This is from a book that John Ward wrote about the whole affair of his daughter's murder. In it, he describes a scene back at Kikorok Lodge where he was staying the night of the day that they discovered his daughter's remains. He writes, I was in the farthest room from the lodge restaurant across the large lawn. A native show was on that night and drums beat continually. Dancers with spears and painted faces stamped and pranced to the rhythm. Out beyond the lights, loud across the bush came the sound of animals as they snarled, roared and screamed through the darkness. To me, the sounds were like some primitive prehistoric hell on earth. How I loathed that place. It is notable that despite the condition in which her remains were found, investigations into the death of Julie Ward were only formally begun a year later, in 1989, when the Kenyan government held an inquest. The inquest was to determine whether there was evidence indicating that the death of Julie Ward was a homicide. Initially, the government had given John Ward various theories regarding the death of his daughter, ranging from suicide to an attack by wild animals, and seemed generally reluctant to investigate. This has long fueled allegations of a cover-up by the Kenyan government especially by the then government of President Moi. The inquest in 1989 followed efforts by John Ward, who bankrolled an initial forensic investigation and presented his findings to the relevant legal authorities through diplomats and politicians who were supportive. The 1989 Kenyan inquest eventually concluded that Julie Ward had indeed been murdered. But it would be years still before anybody would stand trial. And that's all I have for you today. In the episode that follows, we will explore further the developments that have occurred in the decades following 
the murder of Julie Ward. It has been over 30 years since. There have been inquests, trials, plural, and the confirmation of several key pieces of evidence. Another thing to discuss is rumors and how in Kenya, rumor can sometimes carry so much of the public consciousness of events. Thank you so much for listening.